You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Mill, the host of Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please make sure to follow the show if you haven't already, wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episodes. Ah, day two and a half, kind of, sort of, day three of NBA Free Agency, officially recording this on a Wednesday afternoon. So it's been a little less than 48 hours since it kicked off, and well, a lot's happened. If you hadn't heard my episode recapping a hectic day one, please make sure to go ahead and download that one and, and check it out because, well, I'm pretty optimistic about the moves they made. And I'm even more optimistic about the moves the Heat made following day two, I guess. Uh, Markeith Morris has agreed to uh, to a one-year deal to join Miami. It's a 31-year-old power forward who spent most of his career with Detroit. He's bounced around a little bit lately, going from... I'm sorry, he spent his, most of his time with Washington. That was the other Morris twin. Now, his brother Marcus Morris, currently a Los Angeles Clipper. But Mark Keefe comes to Miami from the Lakers. He had been with Oklahoma City for a brief run before that. He spent some time in Detroit. Washington was a team that he spent most of his time with. Uh, he is a career 34% shooter, 6'9", somewhat bulky. You've probably seen him around if you haven't. Uh, not a great player, not a landscape-changing player, but I think just the kind of guy that Miami needs. He shot 39% on over four attempts per game during the 2019-20 season, won a championship with the Lakers that year. He actually regressed a little bit in his time with the Lakers during their title run, and he regressed even more so last year. He hasn't been a regular starter in a long time, so it's not quite clear what his role is going to be here after adding P.J. Tucker on Monday night. They add Keefe on Tuesday night, and it's exactly not sure whether or not he'll start come off the bench. My guess is that he'll be a bench player, a guy that you can go uh, bring in and possibly play some minutes at the five, maybe play a little bit at the four, obviously. Uh, not quite switchable, more of a sturdy defender I think than anything else just a guy who has the kind of strength to match up with bigs moves his feet okay although at this point in his career we could probably expect it to be somewhat on the decline he's going to provide basically a lot more of what they're looking for from that four spot he's not Bielitsa in that he's not a I'm sorry Nemanja Bielitsa in that he's not basically just out there on the perimeter he's not going to get waxed so easily as Belly did uh, but he's not expected to be, you know, Bam Adebayo either. Those are elite rim protectors and also uh, elite perimeter defenders at the center spot. So I don't expect Morris to be able to contribute quite as much, but he'll be a body that you can throw out there. I think that's important. I know a lot of people were pretty optimistic about the move. I, I feel kind of indifferent, let's say. I, I think it's a fine move. I think it's a, a good addition for what Miami needed to do after the roster that they assembled on Monday. They need to make a couple changes here and there. They needed to throw in, bring in some guys who, one, I think have championship experience. And that's probably something as important as anything else when it comes to Morris and evaluating what he brings to the table. He knows what it takes. He's been on long playoff runs. He knows how to contribute. He knows how to play alongside stars because he played alongside LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, and others. I, I, this is something he's done in his whole career and while never being a star himself, and he's always thrived. It's kind of funny how that narrative kind of flipped around. When it first started, when the Morai or the Morris twins first started off in the league, Markeith was the, the better player. Marcus was kind of toiling away there. 
And then that switch kind of flipped a little bit where Marcus wound up having a really great couple of years in Boston. And then he wound up getting paid a whole heck of a lot of money. Uh, Keith never quite really stabilized. I think some injuries may have been the part of his past. You know, look, uh, if anybody's listened to this show for a long time, my state, my, my belief on twins is not exactly the most positive one. So it's been kind of hard to keep track of what the more I are doing because I just tend to ignore that they were even in the league. But you know what? We got a Samurai. We got a Samoris twin here on the Heat roster, so we might as well make the most of it. But the big news, really, I think, and big, perhaps something that could be somewhat subjective here, but Victor Oladipo coming back to Miami in a one-year prove it deal, uh, as many expected. Look, maybe he could have gone the the Dion route in in 2016, where he signed at one plus one. I thought that might be realistic, but instead he just signs a one-year blanket deal, veteran minimum. He's going to come back at some point this year and join Miami after he re- fully rehabs from injury. I think that is the plan. Nobody knows for certain. Barry Jackson of the Herald reporting that he could come back in November or, or sorry, December or January, maybe even early February. So that's a pretty that's a pretty big gap there. We're talking about a potential two-month window where he may or may not come back. And look, given what is at stake for Oladipo, better to err on the side of caution just from a fan perspective. And let's not even pencil him in until probably right after the All-Star break. That seems like an eternity from now. He's going to be missing the first, effectively, half of the season. But guess what? You're going to need him for that second half of the season because I think that's exactly when he can come in and contribute the most. He can watch his team, learn the tendencies of these players. Look, I I mentioned it before on the podcast of Bears repeating – an injury sucks from a you know just a personal standpoint, and, and you know anytime you see a human being out there that cannot play the game that they love, that defines them to such a large part, that they cannot do the thing that they, makes them happiest, it's really difficult. But you can learn the game somewhat. You can see some of the tendencies of your teammates. You can see some things that maybe you hadn't seen before, understanding the game a little differently. And I, I hope for Oladipo's sake, he does spend some time there on the sidelines with the team. Who knows how soon he'll be traveling? Probably not anytime soon. I would imagine maybe home games, he would make an appearance along the sidelines there and, and just see the things a little bit differently and understand exactly how to play alongside his new teammates. Because we're talking about a very small sample size, obviously. Four games were the heat before he got injured last season. Now he's going to be missing at least a few months. Who knows how soon he'll be out there. But once he comes back, he'll probably shore up that second unit. He'll probably be out there to uh, to close games up too. Uh, it's kind of hard exactly to see how everything shakes out regarding the starting unit so far. Right now, I would imagine that Morris... Uh, Oladipo and Hero are probably most of your bench right now. Again, once he, once Oladipo eventually comes back, you have to have Duncan out there, Kyle, Jimmy Butler, PJ uh, Tucker will probably start, and I think that you obviously you have Bam penciled in at center. So that that seems to be where the starting lineup likely shakes out. But it's a good addition as far as just bringing in a guy who knows the Heat culture, who can contribute. Miami's clearly all in, and I think that the expectation is we can afford to wait a couple months for Oladipo to return. Just because once he does come back, he adds another dimension to this team, which is why they acquired him last year. They they had designs in making another title run last year following the Orlando bubble, and they saw Oladipo being a big part of that. Bucks fans can scoff at everything. They've been 
well, you know, they've been difficult, let's just say, over the last couple of days because uh, even even then they'll never admit it. They, they were upset about the P.J. Tucker signing. They thought it was going to be a, a slam dunk to bring him back because, well, Tucker really embraced that Bucks run. He really was uh, embraced by the fans, and, and I totally understand why. When we saw what happened with Jay Crowder the season before, it's not that far-fetched. But at the same time, then as soon as Tucker uh, – the, the Tucker deal, because no deal has become official yet from a team perspective – once the Tucker deal was uh, announced publicly, then it became, oh, well, he really wasn't that good. And we've got Bobby Portis, who Miami made a run at, too. And, and you know, it's not that big a deal. We can afford to lose Tuck. And then, of course, they pivoted somewhat strangely to, like, well, guess what? You stole P.J. Tucker from us. We're going to steal Victor Oladipo from you. And then, of course, once Oladipo signs with Miami, there's some complaints and some grumbling right away. And it's like, well, he's hurt anyway. And we didn't really want him here. It's It's just... It's kind of hilarious. I have to be honest with you. I, I you know, having been uh, somewhat personally attacked during the playoff run, I, I can dismiss it a little bit uh, now that it's in hindsight and it's all over. But uh, just seeing how fans react to these signings, you know, I, the outsider's perspective is a really difficult one to have. I got to be honest with you. But I, I think one thing you can agree on is that Miami probably has been the clear winner of free agency now i mean they'll have pockets that argue one way or the other that's totally understandable i'll get into some of those over the next couple of days next actually even in the next segment because i think it's it's worth digging into how miami currently stands and you know none of which we really actually know until this team hits the floor sometime in a couple of months but also worth pointing out Kendrick Nunn taking off, uh, joining the Los Angeles Lakers on a two-year deal. I think about $5 million per. I think the team option for that second one. So, again, kind of betting on himself. Joining the Lakers for what could potentially be a title run there. You know, look, it's a complicated two-year stance uh, or stint here in Miami for Kendrick as a rookie. He really impressed a lot. And then, of course, there was the details of his past and everything else that kind of made it difficult to embrace him fully, at least from uh, my perspective. Maybe uh, some of you felt otherwise. On the court, there were limitations to his game. We all knew what he was going to do. He was a score-first guard. Uh, defense was always a strength of his. In fact, it was a pretty blatant weakness. I think there were also moments there where he wasn't quite the playmaker that he should have been at the guard position. So we'll see uh, what happens with Los Angeles. Maybe he has another level to reach, and maybe he can do so in Los Angeles. And look, from the perspective of you playing alongside LeBron James, uh, you don't need to necessarily do much other than provide some occasional score. You're not going to be handling the ball. I mean, we've heard for, what, half a decade? I'll never forget a couple of years ago when Doris Burke was on this show talking about LeBron transitioning to not being the point guard anymore. And it's like, well, he's still the point guard on that team. He will always be on the point guard of the team. So I'm curious to see how that plays out with Russell Westbrook, which is why I think the Lakers have, quote, unquote, lost free agency to some degree. It's very, very, very difficult to see how that shakes out. But look, they've made some strange and, I guess, complementary additions to that roster. And when you have AD and LeBron, maybe that's all you really need. But anyway, go listen to Lockdown Lakers if you want. But right now, Miami is the talk of the town. And I'll talk about whether or not they're legitimate contenders in the next segment before getting into some of what we saw from uh, Omer Yurtseven in uh, Summer League, his first game as a member of the Miami Heat, technically and not, and whether or not he could be a part of this franchise moving forward. But uh, just a reminder that if you're looking for a nutritious treat, then look no further than Built Bar. So many different flavors to choose from. You can build a mil- mix box with some of your favorites. If you like coconut or mint brownie or salted caramel, one of my favorites, cookies and cream, and of course, classic German chocolate. 
They're all covered in chocolate, and they're all soft and easy to chew because you don't even know that you're eating a, a protein bar. It's more like a candy bar, and that it's a great snack to have, an indulgent treat, and yet you're getting all the nutrients you need in between meals as a meal supplement. Whatever you need out of a protein bar, you'll get it from Built Bar. And best of all, if you go right now to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCK15, you get 15% off your order. So go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off, but only if you go to BuiltBar.com. Opinions are all over the map here when it comes to assessing what Miami was able to do this past offseason. And I think you've seen some somewhat nearsighted perspectives. I think following day one, I think the common attack on what Miami did was, oh, they got older. You know, they they traded away their point guard and precious Achua, young star in the making, young potential star. God, I think that, you know, I, I have said it so many times and I cannot I cannot help but repeat myself. Like I, I know how interesting, how exciting it might be to get mystery player X. You know how to say that you're going to have a young first round pick, and you know you acquire the pick, and and you know you're you're pinning all your hopes on X player developing, and yet sometimes X players never develop. You know, or they develop into what is a very limited role. Like every roster has. 15 spots, right? I mean, your two-way guys notwithstanding, and then your, your guys floating around the G League, Europe, wherever else. It, there's not a lot of NBA-level talent. What are you looking for out of an NBA player? You either have to be quite cold and frank and say, you know what, you're never going to turn into a star, or you're not going to be a star in this league. You're going to be a fine role player. And if that's the case, which Precious can and likely will be a fine role player, what the hell are you getting here? Like, what what's the hang-up? I mean, stars are traded and discounted all the time. Like, people discount Bradley freaking Beal and his 30 points per game average because, you know, he's 6'3 in a good day and because he doesn't play defense as well as you'd like. That's, that's great. Guess what? You're getting 30 points per game out of him. You know, he's a fantastic shooter and scorer, an elite-level shooter and scorer. And yet, somehow, you're going to discount him because he's not a great defender. Well, guess what? You're not getting any of that scoring from Precious. You're not getting any ball handling or playmaking whatsoever. You're going to get occasional defense marred by a lot of fouls. And, it, you know, I, <laughs> you're not getting a great NBA player yet from Precious Achua. So there's no reason... To, to look at Miami's trade for Kyle Lowry and say, wow, they really got swindled because they gave up Precious Achua. It's like, no, they kind of fell ass backwards into a pick because they just had a, a you know a, an okay season before when they made it all the way to the NBA Finals and they had to draft somebody and they got Precious. And they're like, well, you know, might as well just plug him in here. He wasn't going to get a lot of playing time there. If he wants to go to Toronto and they're not necessarily a rebuilding team. I think they're still out on keeping Goran Dragic. I'm not sure what's going to happen there. But again, that doesn't really matter. I'll be talking to Locked On Raptors host Sean Woodley later this week and getting his take on everything. It's going to be an interesting conversation because, well, Raptors fans do not like Goran Dragic. They're kind of coming around on the idea of keeping him because they may not be able to move him and he may not agree to a buyout. So we'll see how that plays out. But again, uh, as far as the hangups regarding Miami's move, yeah, you got a little older. Yes, you traded away a 20, 21-year-old Achua, and there might be some promise there, or there may be nothing there. There might be just a continuation of what we saw last year, which wasn't great, and that's not the hangup. Win now, everybody. 
Put all your eggs in this basket because nobody knows what's going to happen. Let me look to look to Miami's neighbors to the north, right? Orlando. Years and years of constant shitting the bed, tanking, if you will, for the right pick, and then never getting that top pick in the draft. Always losing out and drafting just not bust necessarily, but complimentary players. Even our own Victor Oladipo never turned into a star in in Orlando. They were asking too much of these players. Like, look at what's going to happen in Detroit. I've warned you all about this before, and I'll stick to my guns. Cade Cunningham might be a great player. I don't think he's a generational type player, but the expectations, the 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 way he's being welcomed and received there, and the expectations for him this season are so ridiculous. Like they're un, um, uh, he cannot live up to those expectations. I think it's somewhat unfair to get a one and done player, a nineteen or twenty year old, and say, you know what? Come carry this franchise, and and not just carry it, but do it right away. Like we need you to kind of help us win thirty games more than we did last year, just on your own. That doesn't work. You know, he's not Luka Doncic. He's not LeBron James. Those players can transform your organization immediately. Even Dwayne Wade, one of the top 50 players in NBA history, came in 2003, and he had to get the buy-in from anybody else. He also had to maximize what Karan Butler can do. They got an otherworldly talent, a guy who would wind up winning two championships in Los Angeles a couple years later in Lamar Odom. They made some nice additions around the edge of the roster, and they were able to just catch everybody by surprise. That's not the same thing. Cunningham's not going to go to Detroit and get them into a playoff seat. I'm sorry. Maybe I'll eat my words on that. And I could be wrong, but I, I feel like I'm coming from a much more realistic perspective here in that you just don't get those kind of players right away. You can't – it's very unusual to get a great player. Like where everybody's talking about last year's draft and Tyrese Halliburton, right? Well, Tyrese is a fine player. Guess what? The Kings still suck, you know? And and, and I think that's the reality. You can be a good player on a, on a bad team, and, and unfortunately – you're not going to be able to change things around. So, I, I, look, when it comes to assessing draft picks, I'm probably the wrong person to do so because I just, I don't buy it. I don't believe in them so much because, again, your your expectations are either so extreme that they cannot live up to them. And if that's the case, then I, I just don't know what you're pinning all your hopes on these potential players for. Like, Miami had one summer league game that I'll talk about in the next segment. And, and from that summer league, you can get a lot of positives out of players that weren't even drafted. Like, if you're getting these great players, guys that can potentially contribute, as your 14th, 15th, 16th guy on your roster, what are, what are we doing here? Like, why why is everybody so concerned about the draft? I mean, look, if you're a top 10 pick, you're going to get playing time and you're going to get the ball because, I mean, they need to make good. That's just the reality. It's like, well, we're going to show this guy out. We're going to make sure that he gets his points because we need our fans to continue to buy tickets. Oh, this is a long conversation, and I still haven't gone to the fact that I think Miami's had a fantastic offseason. I made the point earlier, and it's probably a topic of conversation for another uh, show altogether, but I, I think it's one of the best offseasons in franchise history. Uh, that might be somewhat hyperbolic, but I, I'm not a prisoner of the moment. If you've listened to the show regularly, you know that about me. I, I don't feel like I get caught up in the emotions of a moment or, or a particular offseason or anything like that. Like 2014 was a great offseason in that they got back Chris Bosh, but, I mean, the reality was they weren't uh, exactly changing the NBA or, or taking it by storm until they acquired Goran Dragic, and they still wound up falling short of a playoff spot anyway, and they already had Dwayne Wade in that roster, but that's, no need to go back there. 2010 was a fantastic, uh, untouchable a level of uh, you know off-season acquisitions, you're not going to match that at any point in time. 
There have been others here and there that have been particularly great in Miami's history, but when you look at what Miami's able to do, I don't think it's being hyperbolic. You address your needs in Kyle Lowry. What he does for this team is very difficult to quantify, and I just recently tweeted this out, and I'll talk about this with Sean later on from Locked On Raptors, and and you know, fantastic writer, friend of the program, Katie Heindel just wrote a great piece for Dime regarding the importance of Kyle Lowry. I tweeted it. Go check it out if you haven't read it. Uh, it's worth your time. Uh, Katie's a wonderful writer, but not only that, she sums up the just the feelings, the emotions of a guy like Kyle. Uh, you know, he he came to Toronto. At a point in time when the Raptors were viewed mostly as a laughing stock, you know they they it was after the Vince Carter era. Nobody really wanted to join that team. They still have a hard time luring free agents there because it's Toronto, uh, and although it's a great city, a great metropolis city, it's also in Canada. And so for a lot of American board players, you might not necessarily want to join that team. But either way, he and Demar, uh, you know, new Chicago Bull getting paid ninety million dollars, uh, <laughs> Demar Derosa. I, Wow. The thought of him joining this team at less than what, what he probably, well, what he wound up commanding in the market, just as an aside here, I, I cannot believe that. Like, I was, I am rarely taken by surprise. And the fact that DeMar DeRozan got $87 million from the Chicago Bulls, I, I cannot believe that. But you know what? Hats off to Jerry Reinsdorf. You don't want to pay Scottie Pippen, but you want to play DeMar DeRozan that much money? Good for you. Enjoy your next couple seasons and I want I want Vucevic to succeed you know Vuce is a great guy I just don't want uh, I can't believe what they've done there in Chicago I just they overpaying for Lonzo Ball they're really overpaying for Alex Caruso and they're definitely overpaying for DeRozan but as far as Miami and, and the impacts of DeRozan I'm sorry the impacts of Lowry I think he's just a great leader a guy that has he transformed Toronto into a team he provided culture like we're talking about Miami you know maybe maybe that's a conversation for another time you know about the the culture the culture setting that Kyle did in Toronto is equivalent only to Pat Riley like nobody else and yes you have to have players that are extensions of that culture as in Alonzo Mourning Jimmy Butler now Dwayne Wade in between that but Kyle Kyle was the culture setter in Toronto. And the fact that he transformed that team into a winning team, that when they acquired a superstar, a superstar talent like Kawhi Leonard, the culture was already in place there to maximize what Kawhi does. And then conversely, he fed into what they were able to do well and they were able to win a championship. You can dismiss it if you want to. I know they got lucky along the way. They took advantage of injury just like every team does. But the reality is he is a championship-winning point guard. He is your leader. He is a fantastic leader. and It's going to be interesting to see how he plays alongside another great leader in Jimmy Butler, at least somebody that we have seen be a great leader here. Maybe uh, Philadelphia fans don't think so. Certainly Minnesota fans don't. But I think in Miami, Jimmy has been a fantastic leader. To have him and Kyle together on this roster, it's great. It's just – it is. I really don't I – can't, I can't see any downside to it. Yeah. Three years later, who knows? You know, Kyle's 100 years old. Jimmy is, uh, you know, feeling the effects of playing for Tom Thibodeau. Maybe the team sucks in three years. It doesn't matter. They're looking to win a title next year. They're looking to win a title within the next two years. They're going to go all in because they see themselves, and you should see them as a contender too. Now, are they the best team in the Eastern Conference? No. I mean, any team with a, you know, generational talent like Kevin Durant, and he is one of those few generational-type talents, 
And even then, just to go back to my prior point, he wasn't able to salvage the Seattle Supersonics or Seattle Sonics at that point. He wasn't able to transform Oklahoma City either until they got Russell Westbrook and James Harden and Serge Ibaka and other players here and there that helped really fill out that roster. Like, it's very rare, as great as KD is and was, to get a player that's going to make things change overnight magically. It doesn't. It just doesn't happen. But you do, you know, have to look at Brooklyn's roster, and they've made some decent moves here and there. They've lost Spencer Dinwiddie, but they got back Blake Griffin on a one-year deal. They've got Kyrie, who's going to be one year healthier. Harden is going to be one year healthier. Who knows what happens with KD after playing this summer? Like the fact that he's playing, he played a full NBA season or most of an NBA season, uh, and then you know has participated in the Olympics as well is is incredible. After suffering a, a, a terrible injury a couple seasons before that, but we'll have to see. But that's also the hope, right? Or I mean, look, hope maybe is not the right word, or it doesn't feel like it should be, but it's the reality. Like you've got all of a sudden, you know, you're pinning your hopes as in, in Brooklyn's case on KD staying healthy. That's a huge if. Who knows what's going to happen with Harden's health? Who knows if Kyrie has another issue regarding health? Or maybe maybe in a guy like Kyrie, and, and, and look, I tip my hat to him 100%. If he doesn't feel like playing basketball because he's unhappy with his personal life or anything else like that, I'm fine with it. Mental health is something that everybody should look into more and more often, and even at the NBA level. If you don't feel like you can cut it, then walk away. But if that happens in Brooklyn, all of a sudden you, know, you wind up, what is it, ass over tea kettle? then I think Miami has a clearer path to the finals. And yeah, Milwaukee's still a great team. Philadelphia, even probably a more talented team, although you still have to wait to see what happens with Ben Simmons if he's traded and what and who they get back for him. So, you know, Miami is one of the top four teams in terms of talent in the Eastern Conference. That's fair. I think Atlanta's made some nice changes. They've got a, a lot of talent there too. But I like Miami... And their experience, I think that gives them a better, uh, a bigger edge over Atlanta. I think it certainly gives them a bigger edge over Philadelphia. I've said this before. I, I, I kind of discount what's happened there because they've had plenty of opportunities. And maybe you can look at it and say, oh, they just have a bad fit. Before that, it was a bad roster. Before that, it was bad coaching. Well, I mean, at what point do the excuses stop? They can't get it done in Philadelphia. And I just don't know what they're going to be able to do. They've got Doc Rivers there. He proved to be not so great. Uh, now it's Ben Simmons' fault, and that's the reason why the, the Sixers weren't able to advance past the second round, and on and on and on. At some point, you just have to be honest about assessing what your team can and can't do. And I think with Miami, I'll be honest, they could be a first-round exit. They could also be a team that goes and wins the NBA Finals because they have good players. They've got chemistry. They've got experience. They've got a good blend of talent. Now, that they could still use some more scoring, I think the expectation is that maybe Oladipo will provide that once he eventually joins the roster. They can make some other moves as well. It'll be interesting to see that how it all plays out. Uh, look, the timing for this episode has gone a little wonky. I realize now that I've already gone half an hour long and haven't really addressed either Summer League or anything else. By the time I'm listening to this, or you're listening to this, rather, you're, you're probably going to have all sorts of weird timing issues. So if they have... If they caught up to me and I made mistakes, I apologize in advance. But I just, I really wanted to talk about all these topics and how Miami is being viewed and assessed. But maybe I'll just save that for another, another, well, I'll save it for the next segment. Because right now, just a reminder that you should be checking out Rock Auto. That's something you can always depend on. Like, you can't go wrong 
by going to a family-owned business that's been serving auto parts customers online for two decades. That's 20 years. I mean, that's a that's a pretty long time. It, it, people don't even remember the internet from 20 years ago. RockAuto.com and their easy-to-navigate website was one of the first. And you go to find the parts that you're looking for, and you get them as easily with just a few clicks. And then you get them delivered directly and safely to your door. And at a low cost you save money by going to rockauto.com better than going to a chain store where they may have the parts you're looking for and they can find them on their computer why go through all that when you've got a computer which means you've got access to rockauto.com and best of all if you go to rockauto.com right now you find the parts that you're looking for for your car or truck and then you go to the section that says how did you hear about us write the phrase locked on so they know we sent you it's amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need that's rockauto.com on the NBA doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get podcasts. As I mentioned before, this episode's all over the place. I can't help it. I'm sorry. This, this offseason has been ridiculous. Two days long already with NBA free agency and trying to take stock of what's going on around the NBA. Even as I'm recording this, my phone keeps blowing up. Woj and Shams all over the place, still tweeting about this, that, and the other. It's a lot to take in, but I like Miami's chances. I like what they did. I, I really, I know it's going to seem like I'm either hyping up this team or, you know, I'm a homer and things of that sort. You can dismiss it. I mean, everybody's opinion is just that in July and August. Nobody knows what the hell is going on. Nobody knows what these picks are going to be like. Maybe it all blows up. Maybe an offseason of of great change leads to a disaster. But I don't see that because, again, you add people, players with championship experience. Kyle, Markeith Morris, P.J. Tucker, all of them have won a ring. That's incredible to add that level of understanding and maturity, not just of age, but also just understanding what a season-long grind is and that you can get to this point. You're not going to get the benefit of, you know, the quote-unquote benefit of a bubble where you can just absorb yourself fully and completely in basketball and everything else. So you understand how to time yourself, how to turn it on, how to work a series, how to make in-game adjustments and in-series adjustments. All the things that you expected of Eric Spolstra, well, now you have them playing out on the court because you've got these players that know what those changes have to be in order to succeed. That's incredible. And so in terms of talent, yes, you've got a great point guard in Kyle who can change the game with his defense, who still knows how to run plays, who will be an incredible uh, duo with Bam Adebayo. I think between Bam rolling to the rim and Kyle's passing, it's going to be unbelievable. I think it's going to be such a a fun tandem to watch. I think Bam is going to be an all-star, an all-NBA player this year. I think he might be the team's leading scorer, to be honest with you. Despite the lack of a three-point shot, I think he's still going to be able to get so many opportunities at the rim, opportunities that he just hasn't had before because of a player like Lowry. I think that's – at least that's where I'm currently at right now. That's debatable. Uh, But overall, I would say that maybe Miami isn't a contender – and yet they are at the same time. If you're looking at a very simplistic and speculative label to attach to Miami, are they contenders? Yes, because they can. They're positioned to take advantage of opportunities, just like they were in the bubble. 
They have a team now that's built for success. I've seen the argument countering the other way that this is a regular season win, uh, a regular season team, and not a playoff team. I don't know what the hell they're talking about. I think this is a team that's built specifically for the playoffs, that has the experience. And yes, they might suffer some games here and there because you know Lowry is older, Morris is older, Tucker is older, Jimmy's older. I mean, just it's bound to happen where you're going to have players missing games here and there. You're going to miss all the people for the first half of the season, potentially. Who cares? If you're the seventh seed, it doesn't really matter because you go into the playoffs and you can still punch any of those teams at the top in the mouth because you've got this kind of team built right now that is built for the playoffs. I Maybe I'm... Maybe I'm crazy, you know, maybe my decades of watching basketball don't count for anything. But you look at this team and what they can do, I, I can't see them as not uh, anything but a playoff team. I, this, that's just the way they, things work out. I mean, they've got the talent. They've got enough depth. They're built defensively. They've got guys, dogs, if you will, that can play defense at a high level that know what it takes. I, I mean, look, you can add whatever superlative you want to this team. I'll buy into it 100%. I I. You know, maybe they're not the most talented team. Maybe they're not on paper the best team. But games aren't won on paper, baby. Uh, that's pretty cliche, and yet it applies almost every day. I mean, you look at what Brooklyn was able to do, and, and yet they fell short despite having more talent because, well, injuries happen. And yet Milwaukee found a way to win. You know, Atlanta made a great run. If Miami had somehow found a way to pull it together, maybe that things would have been different. Maybe if they had avoided... The first round matchup against the Bucks, maybe they would have gone on a deeper run. Who knows? I mean, it's it's not really worth getting into. The, the reality is now I think they have a team that can compete. Now, you, a lot of you have asked questions about Summer League. I didn't watch the game. Uh, the byproduct of having a two-year-old is that you can't really sit down to watch Summer League games as much as you want to. Unfortunately, the replay of said game wasn't available today on a Wednesday, so I am not going to be able to watch it anytime soon. But I did, I did see the highlights of Omer Yurtseven and uh, what he was able to do. And I'm a little uh, disappointed, honestly, because Miami, you know, necessarily had to choose not to exercise a team option for his contract. So he became an unrestricted free agent at the start of summer league. And so he's already gone and shown well that he can play at a pretty high level and that he's a, a, a stretch big, a big body inside. He's a lot bigger than I thought he was just in terms of heft. Uh, he's a legitimate seven footer. He can also shoot to three. So, He's going to be a, a fine player, uh, you know, maybe not a top 10 player on your roster, but he's a contributor, I think. And given all that, I'm not sure whether or not Miami can add him to their team. Uh, look, maybe maybe he feels indebted. Maybe he continues to believe, as so many others before him have, that, you know, the, the team can continue to develop who he is and he'll be a best the best version of himself if he stays with Miami. Uh, it'd be nice to think so, but the reality is some other team is probably going to offer him more money to join their roster, and if that's the case, good for him. Let him take him somewhere else. I don't know what Miami can do then to supplement their rotation. They do need another big, I think. Morris is not enough. You don't really have much depth there anymore. I don't think Udonis Haslam is coming back. KZ Opala is KZ Opala, and so you're, you, know, you could still potentially add a veteran like a Paul Millsap or somebody else. Right now, that is still a name 
uh, floating out there that I have not heard anything about. Uh, we've also heard reports about LaMarcus Aldridge looking to make a comeback potentially with Miami. I could see just because Miami does have a great history of, of reconnecting with their guys. A guy like Kyle who has been on Miami's radar forever. They finally got their guy. And I think that's just the way they operate. It's been like that with Oladipo. It's been like that with P.J. Tucker. You know, they revisit all these names that they want to explore. When they identify their guys – they believe in them, and they'll give them opportunities. Or maybe for LaMarcus, he could say, you know what, I, I should have chose to come to Miami, uh, you know, and maybe he'll find a way to bounce back. But either way, you can't count on those kind of players. You're not sure what to get out of them. Uh, it, it's just about building depth at this point right now. Uh, if you can add a J.J. Redick, if you can add a guy, an undrafted player from your summer league roster, you do it. You know, you can get whatever you want out of them. Hopefully they'll be able to contribute something because you can't count on that kind of contribution coming regularly. You know, gave Vincent still on this roster, let him have another opportunity to run the floor, see if his maturity and, and constant maturation and development maybe take another leap uh, this past season. They believe in Max Struess. I think everybody's pretty clear on that. And given that, maybe he takes his game to another level. I think he can continue to put in work. Maybe he joins Duncan and does so. Who knows? There's a lot of potential. There's a lot of options on this roster. So that does it for me. I, I just don't know what else to say about this team other than I, I'm a believer. And I think you all should be too. I've said it before. I'll say it again. And I'm going to stick to this because I've been pretty consistent about this ever since the season started, is that there was something missing from last year's roster, something that was there the year before. And I'm not sure if it was Jay Crowder. I'm not sure if it was Solomon Hill. I'm not sure if it was even Myers Leonard. Somebody needed to come in there and help cement this team and make them a real team. And that was not on the roster. That, that person was not on the roster. As much as you want to look to the Udonis Haslam's or anybody like that to can bring things together, he just wasn't able to do so. Now, maybe another factor was the fact that they were another year older, that they were tired from the Orlando bubble, that it took so much out of them, that it was just a difficult season to try and gain any sort of emotional footing. That's just It was a challenge that maybe that Miami team wasn't built to handle. This isn't that same Miami team. And, and again, to read what Kyle means to Raptors fans and to that organization, you've got another guy alongside Jimmy Butler that can rally the troops, that can bring you out of your funk, that can get you going, that can inspire you to greatness. What more do you look for from a team than that? I, again, it may not result in a title, but you know this team is going to be fun. They're going to challenge people. They're going to be great. They're going to be together. They're going to be dogs for each other, and I think that's what you want out of your team. I made a comparison somewhat jokingly to those 1990s-era Riley-led teams in Miami. And i that's not such a bad thing. Those teams were great. They just fell short because they ran into a, a juggernaut in Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. But those were fun teams that everybody still identifies with. That was the, the culture-setting teams on this Miami Heat franchise. And I think this is an extension of that to one, to one more degree. So we'll see how it all plays out. But it's going to be a great season. And thank you so much for riding along with me because I appreciate all the input I've gotten over the last few days. It's been a great run. And I'm going to continue to be there for you with daily podcasts covering these games. I'll be covering the games in person, hopefully. Uh, we'll have to see how the season plays out. But for now, I'm expecting to be there 
there covering it just as well as anybody else. So uh, you can always reach me via email at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. Send in your questions because the offseason kind of takes it up another notch now. I can milk the uh, the free agency conversation only for a few more weeks. But after that, it's always great to kind of take a, a, you know, a stroll down memory lane about some of the best players in franchise history. And if you've got other questions and other ways that you want to look at what this team can do, uh, I'll be happy to answer those on an upcoming show. Uh, you can also reach me via Twitter using the hashtag AskLOHeat. Be sure, if you haven't already, to follow the show and to leave a review. Those reviews do matter. A uh, special thanks to all of our sponsors, but I am especially grateful to all of you. This is David Ramil signing off for now. Oh.